Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. Each week, we discuss a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional principles and the Clojure programming language. So, Christoph, what's on tap this week? Well, this week, I thought we would continue talking about the REPL since last week we were talking about editor integration and all sorts of things started to come up. And we said, you know what we should do next week? We should talk about the REPL. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, like the REPL itself, it has looped back, and we will come. We we we're, we're we're executing it. We're evaluating it again. Yes, it's almost like we just repeatedly evaluate the REPL over and over again. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, so editor integration was a big revelation for me, and and. That's when I really started to feel the the wind at my back, if you will, with using the REPL. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because before it was all back and forth and back and forth from the editor to the REPL to the editor to the REPL. There's a certain cognitive dissonance between the two. You know, you don't use them the same way. Uh, So if you're able to say just in in one sphere, it's much better. Right. Yeah. And and cuz cuz everything is just there, right? So so my first aha moment was I would put a comment block underneath a function I was working on. And so I'd make an empty function definition that had the arguments I thought it was going to need and then in the comment block I would call that function. And then I and then it was right there. They were like right next to each other. So then I would cursor onto the the invocation well, I'd, I'd cursed her onto the definition, and then I would run that form, and then that would, you know, put the new definition in place. And then I'd curse her over to the invocation and run that form and go, oh, yep, look, it ran, or ooh, uh, I got an exception, or whatever, right? Or closure would give me an error, like arity, <laughs> arity exception, right? It would help you, yes. <laughs> yes, it would help me. And, and, and of course, I'm using Vim. Um, I'm sure Emacs can do this. Uh, you know, write in and let us know, all you Emacs fans. So I'm using Vim, and I can jump back and forth between those two spots in the file pretty quickly with just minimal keystrokes. And so it was, it was fun. Like, I'd add some more features and then go in the comment block and, and run it. And it was like, oh, I kind of get this. I get how this is going, right? I can, I, can, I can make changes and try them out, make changes and try them out. And that, that felt pretty good. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, so not only can you have one invocation of it, you can actually try out different invocations of the same function by passing by having just multiple comment, multiple forms inside your comment block. Um, you right. can even try what happens when I don't send any any data to it. You know, you get that error exception. Or uh, I remember it, be, be, it being really useful when I was trying out the whole optional keyword arguments that kind of is the style. Um, and get and destructuring them in the in the arguments, it's really hard to get that right. And so having multiple uh, examples was really useful in my comment blocks. Yeah, and then these comment blocks would basically turn into the basis of unit tests. So I'd end up copying some of them over and amplifying them a bit and turning them into unit tests. So so that was pretty neat. And and then once I got in the habit of these comment blocks, I would just start adding more and more things in there. Like sometimes I just, I wanted to add up some numbers. So there was a plus, you know, one, two, three in there, <laughs> more interesting math. And um, then other times, you know, I would have like a, a test definition, like an alternate definition. 
So I wanted to stub something. So I'd have a function in a comment block that was a stub function. And then I would put that in place and run some other things. And then I put the real one back in place. So I'm like trading around which function is actually in there. And I'm kind of bouncing around between these different comment blocks. And, and this was all well and good, but then it would come time to check in my work. Oh, and yeah. so then the next thing, it's like I'm doing a git add patch, right? Dash, dash, patch. And it's like, you know, going through the, the whole yes, no ceremony. Yes, I would like this. No, I would not like this. Yes, I would like this. E, I must edit this patch and, you know, remove these comment blocks. Yeah, and that same, got kind of annoying. Same problem that we had with the Twitter auth from a few episodes ago. You, 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 can only, you can only be careful so long. I think a good rule of thumb that I've always found is whenever I have to use the word careful, it's a big red flag. It's, it's like some, 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 right. I'm doing something that I should be able to prevent uh, without having to be careful. Right. And I mean, definitely, definitely there were comment blocks I wanted to leave around because some of these things that I would try out while I was developing, they were nice examples. So I'd leave them around in the comment block at the bottom of the file. Um, but then there was all this sort of like working cruft and, and I didn't want to just delete it because I would like the file wasn't done yet. Like I like to check in little commits often. Right. Yeah. And, and also it's, it's, it's like a, is it you, I, I love what you just said. It's not done yet. And I thought, what file is ever done? Like you're always <laughs> right. going to come back to it in six months. And the six months from me, from now me is going to find those comment blocks incredibly useful. So I, I, right. I, I, I want to keep them around, but, but like Moss, it like keeps growing on all of my namespaces. You know, I don't, right. I got to go through and clean them out, you know, when they're, when they're not useful anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so it is useful, right? Because then it's like I have all these little test expressions or or not even test, not like testing test, but I have all these little ex helpful expressions that run through different scenarios. And then you can just kind of skip around, right? It's it's like this REPL history that's interactive. It's like an it's it's like a random access REPL history. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Because then, because if you have a regular REPL history, you know, you, you have to figure out what number of up arrows you need to do to get to the right example that you want to run. Right. Um, but when they're all just next to each other, you know, it's much easier to see which one you're jumping to. And you can even use editor commands to find your way, which is way more uh, convenient and useful than, than Control-R in the REPL. Yeah, yeah. And so... I don't know why it took me so long to figure this out, but then I had this aha moment. Uh -huh. I should just make a separate file <laughs> for all of these utilitarian comment blocks that are kind of, they're, they're like the uh, co-pilot of my development experience, right? I'm, oh, I'm, man. That's what, oh, I like that. Yeah, the co-pilot. They're, they're me helping me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're your own co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, um, and so so it's like oh I should just put all these in a different file that file can import the namespace that I'm working in where I'm defining all these functions of course then that file needed a namespace and and so I don't know why but I just decided to name it fiddle right because I'm just fiddling around so I, I made this fiddle namespace mm, okay that's good yeah that's a great yeah, name for it and at first, I, I would just kind of tuck them right next to where the main file was. And then, and then I had another aha. Like, oh, why don't I go put them off in the dev tree? Right? When you set up your project line again, 
makes a dev area, and that only is going to get included on the class path when you run the REPL. Yeah, so, so it makes a really good delineation between the code that runs you know, in production, so to speak, or in the main line of your application from the code that you're using to develop your application, which is all the fiddles and all the dev, like all, all of the helpers, like the refresh namespace or refresh function from last week, that's in your dev, you know, that you don't want that accidentally right. being in your production code. Right. And as we were talking about last week, like refresh, I just put that in user. So it's sort of always there for me. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah. And so then they made a directory over in dev called fiddle. And then these fiddle files just started multiplying you know, like uh, little helpful rabbits. Oh yeah, well they're, they're like they're like pages in a in a in a notebook that you have, where you know I want to explore a new concept or I want to test a new namespace, so I can make a new namespace in the, my fiddle in the fiddle area that maps that matches that namespace, and now totally now I have I have I have a whole it's like a blank file it's endless possibilities you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think I've noticed that these fiddle files that I make, they, they're pretty thematic, right? I'll, I'll make a fiddle file that's around uh, just playing around with certain like built-ins. You know, sometimes I don't remember, you know, what the, the right arity is to call that thing or oh, it's like, yeah. oh gosh, you know, what does that give back? Or it's like, uh, do I do I need to conj that? Like, where where does conj? <laughs> what does conj do to that that thing? Like, if I conj on a list, or if I conj on a vector, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or or yeah. Or like, how on earth do I, you know, quick? How how do you convert a, a milliseconds into a into a date uh, into a like a date string? Well, I have a right. time namespace for that. <laughs> right. Time right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a fiddle file all about time conversions and just kind of reminding myself how to do them and playing around with finding what the right what the right one is. It helps. It helps with Java time now. You know, there's Jota time now. There's Java time. But even yeah. still, right? And, or you know, I'm messing with a new a new namespace, a new set of functions. So over in this fiddle, I have this companion fiddle file where it's like fiddle dot tic tac toe, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm calling. I'm calling these tic-tac-toe functions as I'm building them, right? And then I'm, I'm just still using my editor navigation, right? It's like I navigate over the function, add some more, navigate over the fiddle, run it, go, ooh, yeah, it looks good, navigate over, right? Very, very uh, interactive. And still in the same, the, 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 the point is that you're still only in your editor. Your, your, your REPL is like off to the side, you know, if patiently evaluating everything, but you don't actually have to directly interact with it. That's, that's the, the best part. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, and then, so I was doing this and then when uh, you and I started doing more work together, I, I don't know. I don't remember. I got you set up with this. So oh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> remember my, when you were like, oh, I have a bunch of files that I just kind of fiddle in. And I was like, oh, interesting. I would love to have access to those because it's like, it's like, it's like seeing into the back of your mind, you know, of, of the way that you right. explore this on your own. So it helps me to learn, help me, it helped me to learn how to use the production code too. Yeah. Cause there's all these example invocations, um, different, different things. Yeah. And so I guess, well, we've both over time, we've really found these useful. Uh, one example that comes to mind is, uh, for you and I, for a lot of the work that we do in AppSauce, is we have to read in like big data sets 
and and uh you know munch through them <laughs> filter through them <laughs> characterize them yes and so we'll get these like protobuf files uh you know pure joy protobuf there and uh and so we load <laughs> this stuff in <laughs> and there's and we're like exploring you know the data you know what what absolute data constraint the documentation says it will never break what does it break <laughs> somewhere in the stream right yeah yeah because totally. uh because you know everything's marked as optional in protobuf in case you ever need to change your mind so so it's not like the protobuf spec is going to help you there <laughs> right the the pro the proto files and so yeah we we want to load in this data file and start sifting through it and so then i would make a fiddle for these like uh data streams and and then i'd wrote a loader that could open up the protobuf and do all the java magic you know basically java wrapper magic and then now i have this beautiful sequence of uh nice generic closure maps well with lots of nesting and then i can filter right and so then i can run all these experiments right there in the REPL, where it's like okay load load this data file okay let's filter for all of these events okay now let's pick out these paths within these events okay now let's look for a pattern you know and that was super handy and then I could share sort of all these different examples. I could check them in and then you could pull it down. And I could be like, oh, yeah, did you see data file 42, right? That These fields weren't even set at all. Like what happened in production? You know, what went off the rails? And then you could, you could open it up and you could have your copy and explore, right? Yeah. And then and I remember you could even in the fiddles, I mean, I remember what we did in the fiddles. We would, I, I, there's actually like functions I would define in the fiddle itself that would actually help me unpack the file more or, or, or filter the file in such a way that would be useful. Or uh, I would write a reducer so that as, as, I, as I take data from the file, I can actually reduce into a new data structure that then I can have that be printed out. Um, so right. the, the, the fiddle namespace wasn't just invocations, it was actually uh, helpers that would help me make sense of the data. Um, and then make sense of yeah. what data I don't need, what data I do need for, to, to support a particular feature that, that the customer wants, you know? Yeah, it's, it kind of reminds me of like in Wikipedia, you, you go to the Wikipedia page, but then they have these mysterious like discussion page, right? And so you go to the discussion page and there's all kinds of content there. <laughs> Rules for this page, you know, things, you know, people disagreeing on this, that, or the other. And you're like, oh, wow, like this Wikipedia page didn't just boop, come into existence magically on its own. You know, somebody sat, it's like somebody just sat down with their browser and just typed out the whole page and then they were done. Right? Yeah, from, like, from top to bottom. I, I, right. I, I never developed that way. It's, it can never just type from the top to the bottom. It's a very organic process. And so the fiddle helps kind of mirror that too. Yeah, you can see, you can see sort of the thrashing about, right? And share that with each other. It's shareable, right? So uh, like with REPL history, I'm not going to check in my REPL history file and be like, hey, Nate, you want to check out my REPL history? Just <laughs> just scroll through. <laughs> yes, definitely but, not. But these fiddle files are like these little, like, I really like what you said. Like they're like little notebook pages. And it's like I've scribbled in comments, you know, I've scribbled all these little notes about this, this consideration and that consideration. Oh, here's some handy utility functions that will help us sift through this uncharacterized data set. You know, as we, as we try to figure it out and figure out what we're supposed to be writing over in the main thing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 a similar use case that I've 
that I have done, you know, so inspecting data sets is one, but then because the application is running right there in the REPL, um, the application itself is yet another data set. So we can actually, oh, yeah. um, we have little helpers in our, in our, I think it's in our dev namespace that basically allow us to pull open the, the, the dev system because it's all component, right? So, and, but a component, right. a component system is just a set of, it's just a, a, a bunch of maps. Um, so because of that, you, you, you can grab a reference to it and, and grab and go into each one of the components. And when there's an error thrown somewhere and it's like, well, Huh, that error kind of happened, and I don't really know why. I wonder if it's because right. of some of the internal data for one of the fu- one of those components. Well, I have a fiddle file. I think it's called like Inspector, uh, Inspector Gadget, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. that that I can just use to go and reach into any one of those components, pull out the data, and 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 do the same exact thing we just talked about. I, I have helper functions for for characterizing that data because sometimes the data is kind of big. So I, I don't. I, always, I just want to get a count of it or I just want to get like, you know, a summary, right. like pick out a few keys. Um, but then if I have all that in there, when I'm in my in, when I'm in my development process, I can just have that namespace open and, and it's right at hand. I can just regularly or quickly inspect the running application. It's really useful. Right. Yeah, and because since components are stateful, well, we have a lot of stateful. They don't have to be. As we talked about before in component, they don't necessarily have to be stateful, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of stateful components. And so it's like, where, what, what is the current state so we can see like what data in there might be violating some assumption or some, some need <laughs> that our code has? Where did this yes. nil come from? <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time I had to ask myself that question, <laughs> wait, where did this nil come from? You know, nil, nil punning, right? Uh, it, it's <laughs> so lovely until nil start flying through your application and come out in a totally unknown place. The, the nil wormholes. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Not, and, and not a happy wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. And so where did this, where did this nil come from? So, so that, that kind of expe- inspection, yeah, super useful. Another thing that I've done is just for when we're dealing with external APIs, you know, and we're building up wrappers kind of like we did before uh, in, in, the Twitter, in the Twitter series that we did. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Just being able to, okay, so you stub out a function that can make the actual HTTP call, like we use ALF a lot or HTTP kit. It's like, okay, I got a function that can hit the endpoint and send it some stuff. And then we start building up the wrapper. It's like, okay, I want to call that fetch function with, you know, this argument and see what the API gives back to me. Because, uh, you, I mean, it, this might be a shock for, for some people, but the documentation doesn't always have all these fields in it, right? I, th- I think it's only ever a shock when it's correct, I think, for me. Right. But, yeah, you, like being able... But, it's like you said, like you get this data back and it's like, okay, well, I know there's useful information in it somewhere. Uh, like we, we, when we were talking about Twitter before, uh, we wanted to print out the tweets. Well, the tweet is, you know, three elements out of 40 that come back from each data, each, each you know, of the, of the tweet members or whatever. And uh, well, we had to figure out <laughs> where those were. And so being able right. to, to, to fiddle with the data, um, 
and and also even you know to be able to just because it's just a fiddle namespace it's a namespace that's ephemeral like i mean it, it's there but the data that's set in it is is not necessarily uh persistent you can actually just take the uh the the result from a a, a call an actual call to twitter and just put it into a def in your namespace there and iterate oh, yeah. on that data quickly yeah, yeah. So you're not doing uh, I/O. Yeah, some of the some of the like corporate APIs that you and I have dealt with, they're, they they don't always get back to you. Let's say in a timely manner, <laughs> right? <laughs> so totally yes. Yeah, let me just say, like, I can reevaluate forms in my REPL a lot faster than they can spit out the right answer. And so yeah, that idea of okay, so you make a def in this fiddle file. And that def is just simply like you, you bind, you, you call your fetcher function with the right arguments, and then you just bind that to a value. And then in your other little expression blocks later, you, you make like a little thread, let's say thread first. And so then you just put that variable name there. And then you can iterate on that, on that filter, reduce, what, what, whatever the transform is, select keys. Boy, we use a lot of select keys and get in. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. what we do. All the time. Bread and butter. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, uh, let me add some more keys in the selection. Okay, rerun. Oh, looks good. Let me add, okay. Oh, we need to filter this out. Okay, rerun, et cetera, et cetera. Super fast, right? And so this thing that would take 30 or 40 seconds to, to give you an answer well, now you can you can iterate, boom, 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 boom. Try this, try that, and really kind of build up the right transform quickly. Yeah, and then and then once you get the transform right, you put it over in your code in the actual application code, and then you can flip back over, remove the 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 transform from the other side, call your function, and make sure that it's correct. I mean, it's like it's right. super malleable, super surgical. Like it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's only changing the absolute minimum that's necessary. So that means it's the fastest possible development experience. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I've mentioned, I've noticed that too. Like the fiddle file is sort of a scratch pad for sometimes for these new features. And then it's like, I'm scratch padding them in. And then it's kind of like, you know, doing math homework, right? Where you have your, you have your piece of scratch paper where you figure out how to do that proof and you kind of wander around and you're like, ah, oh, wait, no, that, that, that's a dead end. Ooh, no, I can get rid of this. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, now I know how to do the proof. And then you go to the piece you're going to turn in and then you write it down, <laughs> you know? All it's nice and tight. totally like that. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot more, We I think we can think of a lot more uses, um, but uh, maybe, maybe like... The, the general characteristic is like, we've, we've talked about it a couple of times that it's a notebook. It's like a scratch paper. Um, it's, it's a working set of, of expressions that help you get many, quite, quite a few different jobs done. And, and, and that, that, that's what it's like a space for that, but also because they're just files, you can commit them. Like that's kind of a cool bit too. Right. Sharing them about, you know, it's as it's fun for me to look at the fiddle files that you have for the same like namespaces that I have fiddle files because it, I can kind of see what experimenting or the way you kind of thought about working with that set of functions versus the way I thought about it. So it's like a little bit of insight into the mind of the developer while, yeah. while you're, while you're roughing stuff out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think there's, there's, there's the IPython notebook. It's now, now the Jupyter project, Jupyter. Um, and, oh yeah, and there's this whole 
realm of where you have like um, text interleaved with co- with executable code and you can see the result of it. And so a fiddle file is kind of like an editor based version of that, um, where you can you can you can you can kind of walk someone through a process. I mean, usually I don't have as many comments in my fiddles as as would be necessary for to hand it to like a brand new developer, but it's not far from that. And you can have yeah yeah. The, Definitely this. some of these fiddle files have gotten a little more polished too. It's it's like I realize that the Kristoff of the future um won't have as much access to the mental state of the Kristoff of the present. So <laughs> yeah. I've ended up leaving myself more and more um contextual notes there. Uh, because it's it's different, right? There's stuff you put in the code like this is how it works, here's the data model, here are the truths. But then there's like hunches and 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 ways of thinking about it that end up in these fiddle files, and it's nice, yeah. Like you said, it's like a it's a it's like a little journal, little notebook, little scratch pad that you can save to look back at later on or share share about the team. You know, it's like a it's like the discussion page in Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, it might actually be a decent way of of onboarding. I didn't think about that before, but it might be a decent way of onboarding new developers is to take some of your fiddles and 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 move them into a, into like a <clears throat> you know an educate namespace or something like that right where you could oh, that's an i i, I think it's like a just, way of capturing process a way of capturing uh you know the the craft of making it not just the outcome mhm mhm yeah and i think i think we can we can we can keep coming up with new uses for it because it's for the idea of the fiddle um, because it is like a, it's like a new space for things, um, for concepts. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, well we should probably, uh, call, call it for this episode. Yeah. We could just talk it. We could talk about this all day. Um, <laughs> uh, this week we have some reader mailbag or, or should I should say listener mailbag. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so some people, yeah, reached out to us in email and Twitter. Thank you so much. Um, so we, we really appreciate it when you take the time to send us a message. Yeah. Uh, Yaramir wrote us about the idea of a YouTube channel. We asked about that last week. So he says he likes the audio podcast the way it is, but suggests that we put more code in the notes for each episode. If we did want to have a video, something like short form demonstration clips would be useful. Thanks, Yarmer. That was really useful feedback. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking the time again. Uh, we're still thinking about the idea. We don't quite know. Uh, but if anybody else has any ideas uh, and would like to weigh in on this, please let us know. Yeah, how could video be a nice companion to, to what we're doing here in the podcast? Uh, Phil wrote in to let us know that Java 9 does indeed have a REPL. Uh, we, we made a comment like we didn't know if Java had a REPL yet. Turns out they do. So thank you, Phil, for bringing that to our attention. Um, I'm super curious if anyone has experience with the Java 9 REPL and if they have found it useful or not or, or just what your experience is. So set, drop us a note and let us know. And uh, last but not least, uh, Oliver tweeted at us to talk, tell us about his new Conjure project. It's a NeoVim plugin that uses PREPL, which is a new REPL protocol that was released with Clojure 110. Thanks for tweeting at us there, Oliver. Uh, everything we've used up until now has been nREPL based, um, but we're kind of interested in the new the new uh, REPL things that are coming out. There's also unREPL, but if anyone out there has has experience with PayREPL, uh, please let us know. 
Yeah, I think pRepl is fascinating because it, you you were getting into closure code, sort of that distinction between like the output, the printing output versus the output of evaluation. Mm. And I know that's been like a big pain point in REPL development and like um, unREPL and inREPL both have sort of their ways. So it's kind of neat to have a little bit a little bit more of a, a stronger semantic built in to the closure REPL. But yeah, like Nate said, all the tooling we've used is all on top of inREPL. So uh, I would love to hear, we would love to hear about pRepl experiences, you know, tools that use pRepl or or if you're a pRepl uh, developer, someone yeah. making a tool for pRepl. Yeah, let us know. So if you do want to reach us, you can email us at feedback at closuredesign.club or you can reach us on Twitter at closuredesign. You can find our past show notes and episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. Please take a listen and uh, let us know what you think of those too. Yeah, and if you like what you're hearing right now in this episode, feel free to retweet one of our episodes on Twitter. Help spread the word. We always appreciate it when you retweet or give us feedback. Cool. Yeah, let us know. All right, we'll be back next week. Until then, take some time to fiddle around. <laughs>